Alrighty, hey Pillar, it's great to reconnect with you and what's becoming our new Pillar normal with this whole uh, COVID pandemic. If you don't know me, my name is Kyle, I'm one of the pastors at Pillar, and I'll be continuing us on in the series today uh, entitled Be Still, specifically Be Still and Be Confident. The scripture reading for today is going to be in Psalm 46, we'll be revisiting it, and we will be addressing different portions of scripture throughout the discussion. So if you have your Bibles, please turn them to Psalm 46. All righty, well, Psalm 46. Here's the big idea of today's discussion. Life-giving confidence is rooted in who God is. It's empowered by our proximity to his presence, and it's discovered and sustained in our stillness. If I were to ask you to describe God with a word, what word would you use? Our answers will vary. Uh, We'll come up with different thoughts. Often our season in life will dictate what we use or maybe our favorite attribute of God in the moment. But if I were a betting man, I would bet that the majority of us would use words given to us in the Bible. Words like good, words like loving, everlasting, almighty. And all those words are correct. I mean, the Bible gives us them. And now, the Hebrew poets, such as the writers of Psalm 46, they build on those ideas. We could say those ideas were abstract adjectives, if you will. And what the Hebrew poets do is they take us past the abstract and give us concrete pictures. And we're going to see that today, how pictures don't just engage the mind, they also engage the heart. So let's start with Psalm 46, verse 1. It says, God is our refuge and strength a very present help in trouble. So God is refuge, he is strength, and a very present help. You have three pictures there. The first one, refuge. So God is our refuge. Notice the author doesn't say that God is refuge-like or he is like a refuge. He says God is refuge. He is our refuge. And I I would guess that the majority of us would not use refuge uh, regularly in conversation. So if the word shelter helps, it's also, it means the same thing, that God is our shelter. Now, what, what comes to mind when you think of God as shelter? I think of typhoons in Okinawa. Picture the worst typhoon in Okinawa that you can with the most devastating winds. Then picture yourself in a place so secure that the walls don't even creak at the destruction outside. If you can picture that like I do, then you're barely dipping your toe in the understanding of God as shelter. He's so much more. Now, the author also uses the picture of strength and help. See, God is strength. The author doesn't say that God is their source of personal strength, like he gives them strength to act. He, it, he doesn't just say that God is just strong. He says that God is their strength. When the people of God revealed their strength to the nations, they don't just reveal their military size. They don't reveal their superior government, their economy, or their morale, esprit de corps. They reveal their strength as their God. God is the one who fights for them. God is the one who bears their burdens. He's the one that carries them. And the people of God know that if you want to measure the strength of a nation, measure their God. 
and God is their very present help. When you think of God being your help, what image do you have? What story from your life can you put together where God was your help? Maybe you can share it with your MC. God is a present help for his people. He's present, he's with them, and he's always ready to help. With this insight going forward, how do we address uncertainty, devastation, and upheaval? How do we, how do we go forward in COVID-19 with a lot of unknowns and often frustrating circumstances? Well, we can go forward with confidence and without fear. You see, going on in verses 2 and 3, Psalm 46 says, Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. Though the earth is falling apart, though often our own health is falling apart, we will not fear. And the reason why is because of our confidence. You see, life-giving confidence is an enduring, faith-born trust in our Father that is rooted in who He is. You see, He is our immovable shelter. He is our immeasurable strength, and He is our always-present help. Therefore, we can be confident. You see, life-giving confidence is rooted in who God is, and it's also empowered by our proximity to his presence. Picking up from verse 1 where it says, God is present, we move on to verse 4. It says, There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. So God is inhabiting this city. He's dwelling in it. He's in the midst of her, and there's these streams of water that make glad. Now, in the Bible, city of God is often attributed to Jerusalem or the place King David ruled or the place of God's presence where his presence dwelled, like in the temple. However, city of God is also a picture of God's collective people, God's people as a whole. You see, later after Psalms in the book of Ezekiel, Ezekiel prophesied a time where God's city would have a temple and out of that temple would flow rivers of water that would heal the nations. Then going forward in John, specifically chapter 7, Jesus says that to those who have faith in him as their Messiah, out of them would flow rivers of living water. Going further than that, Paul told the Corinthians that they themselves were the temple of the Holy Spirit, that God's Spirit dwelled in them as temple and out of them would flow the gifts of the Spirit. You see, the people of God are the literal dwelling place of God. They are his temple. His Spirit fills them, and it flows out of them for the healing of the nations and to make glad. God inhabits his people. How, how does a people respond to the reality of God dwelling with them and in them? Well, they're not moved. They know who their help is. Let's look at verses 6 and 7. It says, The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice, and the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. You see, in the first stanza, verses 2 and 3, we're speaking about the, the earth falling apart. And here, we're speaking about nations. 
threatening nations, nations that are fighting wars, threatening wars, raging, swaying. How do the people of God, that is, how does the city of God, where God himself dwells, how do they respond? Well, they respond with stillness and immovable confidence because God dwells within them. You see, the God that dwells within them could utter a whisper, a mere syllable, and the earth would melt. What threat are the nations? In verse 2, we saw mountains being moved into the heart of the sea. But here, in verse 5, we see God's people never moving. What a paradox. Going on, it said in verse 1 that God was refuge, shelter, remember? Well, in verse 7, it says, the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. The writer was speaking of a shelter in storms in verse 1, and now he's speaking of fortress, a defense in verse 7. You see, the Hebrew here links the idea of fortress to a cliff, an impenetrable fortress on a cliff that no one could climb to. You see, the Lord of heavenly, fo- uh, heavenly powers, the Lord of hosts, is our protection. He is not simply a protective God. He is our protection. He is our fortress, our defensive structure that's impenetrable. Life-giving confidence is empowered when we recognize the proximity that we have to the God of the universe. He dwells in and among us, and he's our protection. Moving on to verse 8, it says, Come behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes war cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow, shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. That was verse 9. Verse 10, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. In verse 8, the writer says, Come behold the works of God. You see, God is active in the world. And to the Hebrew mind, there's no duality between what happens on earth and what God is doing. We often pick that up from Western philosophy as though we're down here living on earth, fiddling around and doing things, and just maybe God will come and inject himself. That's not true. To the Hebrew mind, what happens on the earth is a, is a cause, is caused by God and is authorized by God to happen. And that's often uncomfortable. But the writer calls us to reflect on that, to behold what God is doing. He is in control. He's not separate from the happenings on, in the world. He's in control of them. He causes desolations. And he also makes war cease. He breaks the bows. He shatters the spears. He burns the chariots. Maybe in our context, we could say that God breaks rifles. He shatters artillery and burns aircraft with fire. God is sovereign over the nations. God is sovereign over the earth. The writer wants us to reflect on the God we serve and on the power that he has. He wants us to reflect on the God who dwells in us and with us. He wants us to reflect on the God who is for us. How do we know he wants us to reflect on this? Because God himself specifically gives a command. He says, be still and know that I am God. 
be still and know. God wants us to know his purposes. He even tells us what they are, that he would be exalted in the nations, that he would be exalted in the earth. That is what God's actions are working toward. And while we might not like the means of how God carries that out, we do have hope, we have comfort, and we have confidence in the one who is in control. But how do we find that confidence? How do we find that hope? God tells us, he says, be still and know that I am God. Be still and reflect. Put yourself before the presence of God in reflection of who he is, of where he dwells, and of what he's done. And in that stillness, we discover our confidence and we discover the God who sustains it. Life-giving confidence is rooted in who God is. It's empowered by our proximity to his presence and it's discovered and sustained in our stillness. In our stillness, we need to remember the means for our confidence that we have. You see, all of us like sheep have gone astray. Each one of us has rebelled against the God who loves us. And the Lord, demonstrating his love for us, has placed our sin on Jesus. And because of Jesus' performance as our substitute, because of Jesus' resurrection and his victory over the powers, we who trust in him, we who trust in him are counted children of God. And we are given an unwavering confidence, a confidence that is not dependent upon our performance. It's a confidence that's dependent upon the righteousness of Christ. It's dependent upon his performance. And when we are adopted into the family, God has given us all things in Christ, but specifically, he has given us the means for confidence in the midst of the unknown. So let me, let me say again our, uh, our big idea today, that life-giving confidence is purchased for us by our rescuing King Jesus. It's rooted in who God is. It's empowered by our proximity to his presence, and it's discovered and sustained in our stillness. I hope today that you're able to reflect on this either in your families or in your bigger missional community family. And in a little bit, we'll ask some questions to help you dig deeper and join together in what God is doing in the midst of this pandemic. Thanks, family. Talk to you soon. All right. Hey again, everyone. I am now joined by my wonderful wife, Sarah, and she has joined us to ask some questions to help us dig deeper in today's conversation. So hopefully you're either gathering with your family or your missional community, and you can ask these questions amongst each other uh, or with each other and help each other just uh, push forward and engaging with the conversation more. So Sarah, uh, would you go ahead with the first question sure. for us? So my first question is, if you were to dis describe God in a picture, what would that picture be? Um, I think a lot of times we describe God in abstract ways, like God mm. is loving, he's gracious, he's good, he's faithful. And that's all through scripture. Like that's okay to describe him that way. But also scripture um, describes God in concrete pictures. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah. So when you think about God, what concrete picture comes to mind? And then also what story is behind that picture? Like why do you view God in that concrete picture? Yeah. Let's break that down a little bit more. When we, when we talk about concrete picture, 
it goes back to what I was talking about with God being a refuge and a strength. In Psalm 23, for instance, David describes God not shepherd-like. He describes God as his shepherd. And he, and he had a story behind it to lead him there. And so I think with your question, what you're asking is, hey, what's that picture for you and what led you to that? Maybe God's your shepherd. Maybe God's your rock. Maybe he's your fortress. So go ahead and, and share it amongst your MC. Yeah, what else you got? So my second question is, so we often forget that God's presence is with us, that his spirit dwells within us. And so my second question is, in what circumstances do you find your confidence in God weakened because you forget his presence? Mm. Yeah, that's really good. So like going back to the the picture, that's all relational. Like it's a relational picture with God. And here, when we forget his presence, what naturally happens is, Life will throw us a curveball like it always does. Think COVID-19 or whatever else. And the opportunity to fear will just skyrocket or it'll peak. And so when I forget his presence, that he's dwelling with me and in me and he's helping me, uh, my natural posture is to run toward fear, try to control things. Yep. No, I, I definitely agree with that. Yeah. Awesome. So my third question is... How do we fight for stillness so that our confidence in God can be discovered and sustained? Hmm. Gotcha. So how do we fight for it? What are some areas in your life that you've found yourself fighting for stillness? Hmm. I think a lot of areas. I know I definitely, um, like with the whole Mary and Martha story, I definitely am a Martha. I have the Martha mentality where it's hard to fight for stillness. You're just constantly moving. Yeah, constantly moving and constantly being active. And so it's really hard for me to fight for stillness. And so I say that every day, it's definitely a battle to um, fight for that. And I know that when I do fight for stillness, my confidence is restored. And so I definitely need that, but it is a battle. Definitely. Can you uh, repeat that question one more time? Because I definitely want it to stick. So it's how do we fight for stillness so that our confidence in God can be discovered and sustained? That's awesome. Because God is the one who sustains it. And it's before him, before his presence in stillness, whether that's just waking up and and closing our eyes and reflecting on who he is and remembering, or maybe that's getting alone in the word in the morning, but just fighting for that time to be still to reflect on him and allow God to sustain mm. our confidence. Yeah. Awesome. So yes. I, I believe that's all the questions. Yep, that's all I have. Yep. Awesome. Well, Pillar family, we love you. Uh, we're excited to hear what God's doing uh, throughout all the MCs. Sarah and I will be gathering with ours, and we can't wait to get back together. But until then, just know we're praying for you. Uh, we're thinking of you often. And uh, yeah, hopefully see you soon.